The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Start us off. It's me, it's me, it's the ROB mobbing once again with the two dudes who made me happy to be back in this god-awful business, right here on Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope, I am the DSP Lee Walker, and joining me today is the adorable one, Alex Todd. I gotta say, Lee... The introduction that Rob just gave us was a little nicer than the one we got last week. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you're you're in a giving mood and sometimes you're not. Today, like like uh, Vince McMahon and Nick Khan, I'm in a giving mood. Well, oh, wait, they, they were giving out releases. I was giving out compliments. My bad. But I digress. Well, speaking of those releases, Al... Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pretty hard week for some of those down in the land of NXT and WWE. We saw yet another round of NXT releases this week. And in this round of releases, we saw the Road Dog, Brian James, Timothy Thatcher, Danny Birch, Hideki Suzuki, Kathy Carino, Sarah Cummings, Dave Kapoor, who was formerly known as Runjin Singh. He was the great colleagues manager. Ryan Katz. Scott Armstrong, longtime WWE referee, George Carroll, Ace Steel, and probably the biggest shocker of all, aside from former NXT champion Samoa Joe also being released, was the former general manager of NXT, someone who's been with the WWE for 21 years, William Regal. Pretty shocking, to say the least. I remember hearing road dog and i was like wait a second and of course the first person i went to (laughs) was rob since well rob's a friend of his and i said rob is this true and of course rob said yes because sean ross sap retracted his statement because when they started announcing releases road dog at first wasn't on there so i went right to rob we went, I went to Facebook, made the announcement that Road Dog had been released, and right away fans were like, no, Sean Ross Sapp retracted the statement, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's cool. I've got a former WWE writer that says otherwise. And you actually had a former WWE writer that was actually contacted and offered a position back over in the great Orlando area, which I turned down. That nobody knew, nobody, nobody couldn't didn't go into details with it when i finally did talk about it i talked to sonny ono about it and we laughed we chuckled he said how much did they offer you and i told him and he said no wonder you said no way um my wife was shocked when i hung the phone up as fast as i did um because to be honest with you you could probably go out and get a job Maybe not McDonald's, but somewhere pretty close and and get paid almost as much as what they were offering. Um, And and 
You know, I enjoy what we do. And Lee, you and I have done several shows together, autograph sessions. Obviously, we've got the great Scarlet and, and then some coming up. I, that's that's my extent of getting out of uh, going back on the road or going back and doing anything. I'm I'm done um, and, and certainly uh, knew that this was coming because the hammer had fallen a couple days earlier when when the dominoes started to trickle. So, yes, that's why I knew everything was happening the way it was. Well, the most interesting part about it was not too long ago, Scotty too hottie quit mm -hmm. and he was working down at NXT and he had done an interview with, I believe it was Chris Van Vliet. And then I believe he had done one other interview. I don't remember who it was with, but then finally he, he made a statement saying that he's asked the same questions over and over. Why did he leave? Why did he leave? And he said something along the lines of those releases were a big reason. Um, I almost feel like he saw the writing on the wall with the changing of NXT and felt that it was probably better to leave now than before getting a pink slip. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that, Lee, because you and I actually had this conversation before it surfaced online. Uh, I was texting you maybe, what, three or four days ago? I think it was the day that all these releases actually happened. And I was like, you know what? With all of these releases of these coaches and all of Triple H's team, uh, you know, you had to imagine that if Scotty Tuhati was still with the company and hadn't just left, that he would have been probably on that list as well. No offense to him. It just seems as though they were going for Triple H's team and Scotty Tuhati was one, was one of the members of his team. And I, you and I had said, well, what if he had saw it coming? And then a day or two later, it surfaced online that he basically had an idea that this was going to happen again. And he decided that he was just going to get out before, you know, they had the chance to get him. Yeah. Well, the flip side, the flip side to that also is Scotty is young enough that he can still compete mm -hmm. and, and asking for his release. When you see the writing on the wall, he can, and, and if you take a look at social media, he's been making the rounds and he's going to, to, to uh, the United Kingdom and all this stuff. And he's selling out wherever he's going, doing seminars and things like that. It's because he's still got it. He's sort of like a Matt Hardy that, you know, and I think Matt was a trendsetter in that when, when he did that long ago um, and started doing the indie scene and whatnot, that's it, it, these, these guys who are still young enough uh, they may not be in their prime, but they're young enough to still wrestle. Uh, you know, they can they can make the money on the independent circuit. And I think that's what's what Scotty saw on the wall. In addition to that, with Scotty being granted his release, he didn't have all of the different clauses that all these other guys are going through right now. Exactly. Well, Scotty did just come off of a, a phenomenal match uh, in, in GCW against Joey Janela, which. It was a really great match. And from what I understand, he would have never been able to wrestle in WWE, even if he wanted to over uh, uh, neck injuries and things to that nature. So we're getting Scotty too hotty back in the ring. He just did a virtual signing. I saw. Um, so it's good to have him back on the independent circuit. Cause once you're in WWE, 
fans don't really get to interact with you unless you get a lucky like or a comment on Instagram or Twitter, but or pay hundreds or pay hundreds of dollars at a SummerSlam or WrestleMania access. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or a a cameo when they do them like that one fan who spent $400 on a cameo for Alexa bliss and asked her to marry her or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, we were supposed to talk about WWE releases and we went down some mystical rabbit hole of, it is what it is. Um, of when Phil Joseph asked Alexa Bliss to marry him. But I, I digress. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, speaking of, you know, Scotty Too Hotty with that, we saw that Road Dog Jesse James was released and uh, wasted no time as we don't have just one. We have two DX reunions. Uh, when I mean DX, I primarily just mean the New Age Outlaws as the road dog Jesse James, uh, I think February 20th, will be with AEW's Billy Gunn, former tag team partners, at Heroes Hideout. And then in March, with the Asylum doing a virtual meet and greet with Billy Gunn as the New Age Outlaws of DX. So uh, wasting no time at all, road dog, to get out there. I would personally like to see William Regal make a few appearances. Uh, He is someone throughout his entire career, aside from like access and stuff, not many appearances for like a meet and greet convention sort of deal. He does have a couple of WWE elites. I've got one of his earlier ones that I would know I would love to get signed. Um, There was a lot on him. A lot of WWE superstars had tweeted after his release on uh, how much of a mentor he was to them. And a lot of them had even said they wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't for him, like a Sasha Banks, a Kevin Owens, um, which I thought was was really great to see. And then a, a fan brought up an old tweet of Triple H's saying that uh, – when William Regal wanted to leave NXT, he, he could at any point. And then Regal had tweeted uh, that there was no animosity or anything. WWE was literally a company that saved his life through mm-hmm. having him go to rehab. And, you know, they gave him a great 21 years. They put food on his table, a roof over his head. So he was very, very grateful and, He's one of the ones that I'm excited to see what happens next. Well, and they also, you know, in that 21 years, a lot of people include William Regal in their list of, uh, you know, greatest wrestlers to never win a world championship. He's in that conversation most of the time with the likes of, you know, Razor Ramon and Roddy Piper and whatnot. But the one thing that they did give him is when it, you know, we moan and groan about a lot of on-screen characters a lot of um like on-screen authority figures like general managers and whatnot but william regal will probably go down as the greatest general manager of all time between his time as general manager on raw about 15 years ago which was incredibly good and his time as general manager in nxt he'll probably be the best general manager character in the history of wwe 
definitely one that wasn't a heel. I, I enjoyed that, especially with his, his NXT run. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's never a good thing to see people get released, especially in this this sort of situation, because you had said that it was a, it was a lot of Triple H's people, which really in my eyes and in my hindsight, it was really the end of the black and gold of NXT. They were the behind the scenes people that were basically left what was left of the black and gold. And I feel they said, okay, this is it. And then they looked at some of the talent they had. If you notice like Thatcher, uh, Danny B Thatcher's 38, Danny B is 40. A lot of the, even, even the behind the scenes people, Thatcher was the youngest one released. He was 38. Everybody else was 40 plus, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I see, I saw this as out with the old and in with the new, just the way I saw it. They're, they're revamping NXT so much to the point that they've literally wiped everything clean from the champions to the roster to now behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Just this past week, we saw Braun Breaker defeat Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT championship. That's another blow. Uh, as you know, we saw that Pete Dunn and Tommaso Ciampa were working dark matches on SmackDown this week. It's only a matter of time before they go up to the main roster. They're not going to want them to have anything to do with NXT anymore. And who knows if they'll even be successful in the main roster, but everything black and gold is officially gone from the general manager to the superstars that made the black and gold brand to everybody behind the scenes. It's completely gutted. I got an, I got an idea that, that I'll get into down the road when we're talking about, you know, a couple other topics that we're going to get into tonight. I got an idea of where they might be headed with regard to NXT. Uh, and, and, but I don't want to jump ahead of everything that we've got on the docket today. No, go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, we just announced on Friday that, that Mickey James is going to be a part of the Royal rumble. And they announced her as the impact women's world champion. And we all know that impact really doesn't have a lot of money behind them. They certainly don't have a network really behind them. Scott, the love Scotty uh, worked with him back with Jeff in, in, in TNA great guy, but obviously doesn't have a lot of money and resources behind him either. What if, and I'm just spitballing here, what if that forbidden door was open for Impact to become kind of the new NXT? And what if we were to merge NXT and Impact and give Impact that USA spot on Tuesday night? It'd be interesting, to say the very least. Or even, you know, if they go with like a partnership type deal like they had with Evolve before, too. I mean, we're 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 working with with them more and more. And and I know Scott has a good relationship with with uh, John Laurinaitis. Mm. Um, so what if this presented itself? 
And we don't know the financial status of Impact. We don't know where they fall as far as, as you know, network, TV, exposure, all of this fun stuff. What if this could be, uh, you know, kind of a partnership? We've, we've obviously already gutted NXT. There's nothing left of NXT. What if we're forming this partnership with them? And, and in addition to Mickey James going in the Hall of Fame this year, which is why she's back for the Royal Rumble. What if? And if this is a partnership, what if she wins the Royal Rumble? Mm-hmm. Be, it, that would be a first, to say the least. We've never had a WrestleMania where... An know, outside entity comes in to challenge you for the world title. Especially one that's a champion of their own brand as well. It would kind of get you a little more of a bump than it would with AEW, wouldn't it? That's interesting to say the least. I don't I don't know if they would do that, but if they did, I I would I definitely mark out for it. Here's here's the other here's the other flip side to that. Tony uh Nick Khan. I, I keep calling him Tony Khan. Nick Khan. We gotta get our cons in order. Nick Khan got rid of all of Triple H's guys, which basically wiped out all of what Triple H created in NXT, like we just talked about. What if Nick Khan just decided to negotiate with Impact because obviously he's got all this power now. Obviously nobody's stopping him. If Vince is allowing Nick Khan to step all over his son-in-law, then why not? If Nick Khan's got all this power, why not? Fair enough. It'll uh, it'll be interesting to see if they work this out as like some form of partnership and it goes on to WrestleMania. But um You know, speaking of this whole situation, we've got Mickey James coming up and she's going to be in the Royal Rumble match come the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. We've also got another cross-brand match for one of the world titles at the Royal Rumble. We've got Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. What are you guys' thoughts on this situation happening this week? They announced Mickey James on SmackDown, which... When I first heard it, I was like, wait a second. Did they just say the knockouts champion? Mickey? Yeah, Pat McAfee freaked out over it. <laughs> yeah, and showed I, a picture of her holding the belt. And I was like, wait a second. Because I, I, it totally blew me away. I was like, did I just see that? And then I was on, I was, I, I was like, wait Think a second. We were on the phone together. I was on the phone with Rob. So I was like, wait a second. Did I just see that? And then he was like, yeah, I, I, I he goes, it came across the screen, but he goes, holy crap. And then WWE tweeted it out. And that's when I was like, holy shit. What, what is going on here? I know Lee, I got texts from Lee and I was, I was driving. So I couldn't answer them at first. I looked down at my phone and I've got like eight to 10 messages on my phone and they're all from Lee. And it's like, Alex, Alex. Alex, all caps, Alex. And then he sends me the screenshot and he goes, this is happening. This isn't a Photoshop picture. Yeah. Um, like when I heard it on TV, I was like, I, I was taken back and I was like, wait a second. And, but then when I, I saw the tweet, I was like, holy crap, this is going on. This is awesome. Um, fortunately, there's not much known about it other than the fact that she's going to be one of the participants in the Royal Rumble. And so far, I believe WWE has announced 
19 uh, from other legends such as Lita, uh, the Bella Twins, Michelle McCool, Summer Rae. Uh, aside from Mickey James being the complete shocker, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to see some other uh, surprise entrants for the Women's Royal Rumble because I'm not a fan of when they're all announced. Mickey is one of those that you announce it, fans are still going to pop. But I think the pop would have been even more if they would have waited to like and just not announced her as a surprise. But really, the, the big shocker that comes off to me is uh, they've got Charlotte in the Women's Royal Rumble, and she's the SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah, she said on SmackDown that she was entering herself into the Royal Rumbles, basically on the precipice that if she wins, that she gets to choose her opponent for WrestleMania. She's not going to challenge the other champion, being Becky Lynch, but she will then get to choose her opponent for WrestleMania. I can kind of dig that. But, you know, when they were doing the thing with uh, Brock and Roman, that little promo where Roman... You know, Brock comes out and says, hey, let's go title for title. I almost thought that's what the angle that they were going to go with. We were going to see the unification of the championships again. Yeah, I, I certainly hope not. I think the I think the two the brand split is a good thing. I think two world championships gives more superstars opportunities to be world champion. So I'm hoping not there. We'll see what's going on after the Royal Rumble. But uh, to what you said, Lee, about them, the, the pop being bigger for Mickey James in the Rumble match, I agree that the pop would have been bigger, but I think in the long run, them announcing it did help both companies overall because you're going to get slightly, you're going to get a slight increase of viewers just uh, in, in the Royal, on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Um, you're going to get a slight increase in viewers just from people that want to see Mickey James. But the important part is, in my opinion, is because of that announcement, I feel like Impact saw a big spike in number of people that were watching the hard to kill pay-per-view last night. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and here's, here's three things that I'll touch on with that. The brand split ain't going to, they're not going to merge the titles any which way, shape or form Fox and USA. They paid for those champions to be on those television networks. Therefore they're not going to merge anything, no matter what Brock and and Roman want to try and tease. It's a tease. Number two, with Charlotte entering the Royal Rumble, what if Oscar's one of the entrants and Oscar actually helps eliminate Charlotte and Oscar gets eliminated, but Charlotte gets pissed. So therefore there's that sets up the Charlotte Oscar kind of thing or uh, Oscar wins Becky. Somehow I just think in the back of my mind, I'm thinking in addition to impact, getting the rub from announcing Mickey James, I think something's got to go down with Mickey James. There's just something bugging me that's telling me that Mickey James is going to be deeply involved in this thing. Here's another, here's another scenario I'll pose to you. Mickey James w- was released in the worst of fashions. She was released, and then we made a big deal about the fact that all her garments were thrown in a trash bag and mailed to her. Do you really think if that same company calls her back up and says, hey, we'd like to bring you in for the Royal Rumble. Hey, we'd like to enter you in for the Hall of Fame and all this stuff. Do you think that she just sits back and goes, yeah, sure, all's forgiven. 
Or do you think she negotiates her way into that Royal Rumble and negotiates how the Royal Rumble is going to be run? I don't think she's coming back to get tossed out in two minutes. Because if she does come back and get tossed out in two minutes, then she's nothing better than the trash that they took and put in her bag and mailed to her. So if she is smart, which I know she is, she negotiated her way into that Royal Rumble and negotiated creative control, if you will. WWE, I've always noticed when it comes to the Royal Rumble, their favorite spots are like these odd numbers of three and seven, 11, uh, where they tend to give those... uh, surprise entrances of, of wrestlers in the rumble uh their spot but those lower numbers they tend to only last two to three minutes you know maybe if that where you know where you get into the spots like 23 and 21 and you're a surprise you tend to last longer uh, the only um objection to what i am saying would be AJ Styles when he first debuted and he came in at the number three spot because he did last for a while. If I mistake, and I think he was eliminated by uh, the seventeenth or the eighteenth, like when they when that guy came out, whoever pretty it was. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Owens. Yeah, no. So like he was he was eliminated like that deep in. Uh, usually those the, the surprises don't last that long, so. I kind of had this theory that um, how Mickey James is set in the WWE Royal Rumble would all depend on how Impact Hard to Kill went. And Alex, the adorable one, I know you have the results. Let's go through the Hard to Kill pay-per-view that took place on saturday night absolutely not only do i have the results in front of me but you and i were texting each other the entire night last night during this pay-per-view we both watched it start to finish rob lee and i even watched the pre-show to this (laughs) (laughs) pay-per-view that just shows that companies can actually put on good pre-shows was my guy uh matthews in there which one who are we talking about the commentator Oh, um, Ian Riccoboni was there at one point, and uh, they had uh, Tom Phillips come in, too. Oh, Tom was there. Okay. Matt, about- Matt, no- Matt Stryker is no longer with the company. He tweeted out um, like a day broke. or two days before uh, the pay-per-view that he was no longer with Impact Wrestling. He's sad that it happened, and that was basically it. We... Uh, no real details on how or why, but um, he made the announcement. And then shortly after that, Impact made the announcement that Tom Phillips would be stepping in and announcing with D'Lo Brown. Yes. Yes, they did. But, so, but I was actually talking about Josh Matthews. Oh, yeah. No. When I said oh, Matthews. Yeah, no. no, he's still working behind the scenes. Uh, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's like deeply involved in their like digital and digital media department now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only reason I ask that is because every time I watch impact on Thursdays, the show that comes on at seven o'clock because impact airs at eight, 
The show that comes on at seven, my DVR starts to record. And it's always him and a girl going, well, that's it for this week. And coming up next is going to be this week's impact. Blah, 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 blah. And I always miss good old Josh Matthews. So yes. Good that's to see the, he's still behind the scenes. That's the uh, BTI show they do before, before the impact. Okay. It's, uh, it's kind of like a, they'll go over stuff that happened the previous week and stuff like that. And they'll kind of preview some matches that are coming up. So hard to kill. We opened the pre-show with Tom Phillips and D'Lo Brown. Tom Phillips now going by the name of Tom Hannaford. Uh, Tom Phillips is clearly copyrighted by WWE, as I can tell then. Um, His real name is Tom Hannaford, by the way. Yeah, I assume so. Um, So they opened the show. And the one thing I liked is you could tell that Tom Hannaford is either, either A, already been a fan of Impact, or B, he did a hell of a lot of research before this pay-per-view because he knew everything. He knew all of the storylines. Typically when I, I've noticed when companies shuffle commentators around a lot, sometimes they, you can tell on air that they don't know. Like you can tell they don't know everything that's been going on, but he was completely up to date on everything. He made references to older TNA uh, stables and, and just old references in general throughout the show. So we start out with the pre-show with Jake something taking on Man Man Fulton. And for these guys both being like bigger guys, this was an absolute slugfest. They were high speed almost the whole match. I was nervous at first. And I was nervous because when you don't get a crowd reaction, you're kind of like, ooh. So like when Man Man Fulton came out, the first thing I noted was, this isn't good. The crowd is quiet. But when the wrestling started, it was a little different story. Like they, like they, they needed to be warmed up And this pre-show was perfect for that. It absolutely and this, was. And this was a great match. It really was. And I think uh, Jake something has an extremely bright future in professional wrestling. I think the biggest thing is, is they need to change his in-ring name because with that name, you're not going to be a top star. And this man, like you watch his in-ring work and he's got top star written all over him from the way he moves, the way he wrestles, the way he presents himself, the way he does promos. He's, he's the future of that company. But the problem is that they need to change his ring name because he's not going anywhere with it. So it was funny. I thought his name was, you. I, I mean, I've, I've watched him wrestle before and everything. I, I think his name is unique and bland at the same time. It's almost like, it's totally something different. Hey, hey. <laughs> you know, but um, it reminds me of something that like you name the generic wrestler in the video game when you're starting out in like general manager mode and you're going from, you know, the jobber to like the main event star and that's your name. You're Jake something because that's all people know you as. <laughs> Like that's what it reminds me of. You're you're the beginning of like the 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 video like a a, a video game in man in, in GM mode, and, and you're climbing up through the ranks, and everyone just calls you yo Jake Jake something. That's just what it reminds me of. But it's also unique at the same time because you know we see a lot of wrestlers. In, in different names and this and that, it's definitely something that stands out, but it's also something that stands out maybe for not a good reason. 
But overall, yeah. it doesn't take away from the match. It was a great match. I feel like part of it has to be on creative with Impact to when they broke up the Deaners because he was with Cody Deaner of Violent by Design before. When they broke them up, they just gave him that last name. They could have given him something entirely different. <laughs> hey. But they it did. Is... They gave him something. Ah, hey, <laughs> I see what you did there. But no, it was an incredible match uh, for the short, the short time that it lasted. Uh, the second match on the pre-show was Ace Austin versus Chris Bay versus Laredo Kid versus Speedball Mike Bailey making his Impact debut. You want to talk about a name change? Speedball? <laughs> I'm here, we were sitting here ranting about Jake something. Now we got a guy who's named after a mix of cocaine and heroin. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because like, when I heard the name, I that's immediately where my old school head went to and was like... Maybe do do people still would people still pick up on that? Like that made it, me pop hard. Like when I heard, I I knew he was debuting, and when I heard it, his name announced, which I knew his name prior. All I thought was was does Impact know what a, what? a speedball? <laughs> oh, is? they know. Oh, they I, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the head guy over there knows damn well what a speedball is shades of the uh double tree i mean i mean the company did used to be owned by jeff jarrett hey hey (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding first of all we never did speedballs that was abyss (laughs) second of all scott was always with abyss so therefore there's your speedball Right there, insider information. Uh, yeah. So, with that information, uh, he was going by that name before Impact signed him. But you know, you yeah, that's wanna... why I like I I knew who he maybe was. Maybe it was just a poor him. choice, though. Maybe it was just a poor choice. Whatever works, I guess. But you know, the nickname also kind of does kind of fit his in-ring style, though, because he's explosive at times, slower at times when he needs to be. Um, you know, Yo, no, not, help, not, not helping, <laughs> not helping the name there. Alex, Dude, he was not he helping. Was, he did great in the match. It was a great match. I mean, you've got a Bullet Club member, you know, which you, you, who would have ever thought that you'd hear in Impact Wrestling? You have the Bullet Club, you have a kid from AAA and MLW in Laredo Kid. Impacts Ace Austin and and adding Speedball Mike in there. This was a fast paced match. Mm-hmm. Very fast paced. It was it was it was a great match. It was to me. It reminded me of a, a WCW cruiserweight match. It reminded you know? me of the old X Division matches, honestly. Yeah, those 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 two. I just. When I watch those matches, like to me, nostalgic for me is WCW because right. that was my time. Yeah, right. You know, right. that's where I got exposed to to the lucha libre, the cruiserweights, mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. So, like when I when I that's immediately where my head goes. Now, there, there's other matches on this card that 100 would take you back, 
to the TNA days. And I know we're about, I know we're going to talk about it, which is ultimate X that matches 19 years old now. Like. I was going to say we, uh, you got the chance to sit down earlier this week with some of the participants of the women's ultimate X match. Lee, tell us a little bit about your experience you have with them this week. So perched on the top rope invited to uh, the impact press pass, which had Rosemary Chelsea Green and Tasha Steeles, three participants in the Ultimate X match. Uh, always love when Impact invites us to these. It's a great chance to sit down with the Impact talent and get to talk to them, you know, one on one. In this case, uh, Gail Kim was also there, and I, I did include her mm-hmm. in on our conversation. Uh, the girls were great. I should really say all five of them since Rosemary counts herself as two people really, I guess. So <laughs> there, there was that, um, you know, as, as we know, Gail is like the GM for, for the knockouts division. So like making the match, uh, everybody was asking like, why not include yourself? This is a historic thing. And it went really, really well. If fans want to hear uh, the questions that were asked to, to the women uh, that were participating in the ultimate X, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. You'll see an image of the impact press pass. And of course the title gives it away too. Um, and then go back and listen to all the other impact press passes that we've been on. We've been able to work with a lot of great, great talent from impact. And of course, impact sends us press releases and, allows us to do interviews like we interviewed moose which was really cool so fans make sure you go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope or if you're at the gym driving on your way to work you can listen to us on apple podcast perch on the top rope we have the audio versions of those interviews there as well wait a minute is the show over already that's alex's job no, nah, I'm just doing some shameless plugs. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's not my job anymore. I messed it up most of the time, but that's okay. Um, the Ultimate X match that we're talking about, the first ever Impact Knockouts Ultimate X match, consisted of Tasha Steeles, Chelsea Green, Jordan Grace, Lady Frost, Rosemary, and as a last-minute switch, Alicia Edwards. And Lee, when you sat down and talked with those impact knockouts the other day you actually ended up speaking with the winner of the ultimate x match as we saw tasha Steeles pull down the x last night to get a future impact knockouts world championship opportunity so the the interesting thing about it was she was the quietest she she had made it clear that she doesn't want to give too much away because she knew it and and, and to tune (laughs) in Yeah, and to tune in. Um, yeah, there were some other interesting things uh, that were part of it. Uh, main point was they all had agreed on the person that they were most intrigued about being in the match was Lady Frost. The three of them had all admitted that they didn't have much exposure to, to Lady Frost, which if you watch the match, she does a tremendous job. And I think one of my favorite spots in the match is when she's climbing the truss, you know, to like that ultimate X. Mm-hmm. 
And instead she just looks behind her and just big, huge moonsault on some of the ladies that were down on the ground. Uh, that was a great spot. And uh, they'd all agreed that she was the one that they were most interested in being in the ring with, as opposed to, you know, themselves. Cause they, they've all faced each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell people to go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope or Apple podcast perched on the top rope to, to hear those interviews. Absolutely. Um, now my opinions on the actual match, there was, there was some times where it was a little clunky, but overall it was, it was a quality ultimate X match. You also got to realize for all these knockouts, it's their very first, they're not as used to the ultimate X match as some of the part male participants that have been at it over the years. But for their first knockouts, Ultimate X match, I I give it a solid rating. Like I I enjoyed every part of the match. I think they did a fantastic job. Uh, again, the Ultimate X match is 19 years old now. The very first one took place August, 19 years ago, and um, so this is the 45th one. At that point in time, you know, with 45 different matches of Ultimate X, there's only so many ways that you can go about showing off something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the ladies did that. It was, the fr- it was their first one. So they can only go up from here, in my eyes, with it. Um, you know, however, the, the thing that they found the most interesting are the facts behind Ultimate X. I'll break that down right now. There has been 45 different Ultimate X matches, 44 if you only include the men's. Out of that 44 in the men's, there has been 60 competitors. Now you include the six that we had from this, there was 66. Out of that 66, there's been now... I think 29 total winners and there's been over there's over 33 34 35 doing math ladies 38 there's now over there's there's 38 competitors that have never won an ultimate x match out of the 66 chris saban has the most appearances with 17 chris saban also has the most wins with eight so I will be interested to see the next women's ultimate X, who the next competitors will be and what they will offer ultimate X for a first ultimate X, all women's match. I think they did a fantastic job. Especially that, uh, that spot with Jordan Grace and Tasha Steele's both up on the cables when they fell and they turn it into a basically a Batista bomb. So they turn it into a sit out power bomb in midair. Jordan Grace caught Tasha Steele's and turns it into a sit out power bomb. The other, the other spot that I really, really liked about this match was, uh, whoever I can't remember who did it hits the spear on uh, Alicia Edwards. Mm-hmm. But instead of a spear, Alicia like had got would like gone forward too much, and it it became like a flapjack because she landed face first instead of on her back. Oof! It wasn't. I don't think it was supposed to be like a flapjack, like how she landed. Mm-hmm. But it made it better. It literally made it better. 
like that time that Christian got speared in half by Goldberg. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was a very very good first knockouts Ultimate X match. Moving on though, we had Trey Miguel versus Steve Macklin for the Impact X Division Championship with the stipulation that if Steve Macklin lost he could no longer challenge for the title as long as Miguel is champion. Steve Macklin for being former NXT superstar, Steve Cutler. All I'd heard about this whole week was Steve Macklin, Steve Macklin, Steve Macklin. And I think it's because like impacts interview rounds mm-hmm. were, was Steve Macklin. Cause he had done a bunch uh, W Morrissey. Obviously the girls, but Steve Macklin was the one I, I, I had heard the most. So I had Steve Macklin winning because usually when you hear that stipulation, the person's winning, like they're not losing. So like, that's kind of like where my thought process was with this match. Great match. Again, X division matches. Like I don't think if you, if you can point out a bad X division match. Good for you. Cause I don't think I've ever seen one. Yeah. That's been the one thing, even when impacts Ben and some of their lows is that their X division for the most part always puts out a good product. And this was no different. The stipulation, like you said, Lee confused me a little bit too, because normally when you see that, you know, you kind of can almost predict the result, but also the other thing that was different about this is normally that stipulation is put on a baby face and this match was different because the stipulation was put on the heel. You don't see that often. Usually it's the baby face trying to re- get, you know, retain their title or uh, regain their title. And if they lose, they don't get another chance. It's very interesting that they put that stipulation on the heel. Rob, as a writer, can you add to that? I, no. Not right now, because I'm not sure where Impact was going with everything. So no. All right. <laughs> All right. Alex, who won? Trey Miguel retained the X Division Championship, which means Steve Macklin does not get another shot. There were some insane spots in this match where we saw Trey Miguel jump from the top turnbuckle over into the crowd. We saw Steve Macklin go flying into the crowd. A lot of dangerous moves in this match. But these guys are professionals. Nobody was hurt. There was a scary spot in the match where uh, Trey went to do, I can't remember the name of the move. It's when you jump off the top ropes and you use your knees and they go into the person's face. He did it from the top rope to Steve Macklin, who was in between the ring apron and the guardrail. And when he hit Macklin, Macklin went down. And you know how if you have two guardrails up next to each other and they connect on the bottom, there's like that pointed metal piece that's just sticking out. He lands on him and he goes backwards right into the corner piece of metal that's sticking out. And I'm surprised he didn't crack his head open. Yeah, that's Trey Miguel's finishing move. Yeah, I just uh I gotta figure out what the name of it is because it's 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 I can't think of it right now. But yeah, no, it was there was a couple of scary spots in this match, but it was overall a solid X division match. It's going to be interesting to see, to see where Steve Macklin goes from here. Um, I have a feeling they're slowly building him up to the world title picture. And I think that's why he didn't win this match is they're kind of trying to put the X division behind him so they can build him up as a top heel in the company now. But other than that, I've got nothing bad to say about this match. No, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. 
So moving on, we had our first taste of the Forbidden Door being open as far as last night's pay-per-view when we had Chris Sabin taking on the Ring of Honor world champion, Jonathan Gresham, in a pure rules match for the original version of the Ring of Honor world championship. We not only had Ian Riccoboni come in as commentator on this match, but Bobby Cruz also was the guest ring announcer. What a match, Lee. Gonna give a little shout out to Bobby Cruz and his uh, daughter as she played hockey here at SUNY Oswego, Alex, where we live, which is pretty cool. Um, I thought it was great to see Bobby and Ian. Ian was definitely nervous at first, and you could oh, yeah. you could tell. Um, shook it off pretty fast. Uh, I feel like he almost didn't get a fair shot after like it was pretty clear he was nervous because he kept making everything ring of honor based and you could tell that like tom was kind of i wouldn't say not having it but almost probably had someone in his ear saying shut him up it felt (laughs) like right because tom interrupted ian a lot and ian would have to like stop what he was saying but then ian would like pick back up after like a certain spot or something happened in the ring. Um, this was a pure rules match, which I did not expect, which fans, if you don't know what the pure rules are, uh, thanks to ring of honor, we did an interview with ring of honors, Rhett Titus, who explains those rules in an interview on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope interview with Rhett Titus. He explains the pure rules. Uh, It's very interesting. Um, Some of the things that we had saw from the rules is the fact that you only get three rope breaks, you know, and that's like if, if you're being pinned or submitted after those three, putting your foot on the rope in a pin, and a pin doesn't break the pin up, you're still going to get pinned. Uh, it doesn't break the submission up. You, you, It's over. You can still tap out. Um, and the other one that we saw primarily was in a pure rules match, you are allowed 20 seconds on the outside as opposed to 10, uh, which is cool. It, you know, it matches aren't supposed to be... Uh, count outs or double count outs so it's an expend an extended period of time outside um other than that you this is where this is the match that really got the crowd alive for hard to kill pay-per-view and it was awesome this was a great match and ian actually made it aware Chris Sabin was due a rematch for the ROH title back in 2018 that he never got. So this was like a match that's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, like D'Lo and uh, Tom kept, at, you know, kept saying, well, what happens or what would happen if Chris Sabin becomes the ROH champion? And Ian, you know, explained, well, he would, you know, he would defend the title and this and that. And, you know, just like anyone else would. But it was it was really, really cool 
to see. And they made sure that they made this aware. It was the first time that the ring of honor championship was being defended on impact. So there's like a lot of history being made, but I'll let you talk about it. It's what happened after the match that shocks everybody. So, uh, you know, we have, we have the match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Saban, Jonathan Gresham. It's a very fast-paced match the whole entire time. Um, you know, this kind of brought me back to some of the, like, earlier Kurt Angle matches when he was in TNA. The, the cylinders that he was firing on at that point. Like, we, we saw some of the fastest German suplexes I think I've ever seen in my life during this match. Jonathan Gresham is a beast. Chris Sabin, for how long he's been wrestling, is still... He's just firing on cylinders that nobody expected him to at this point. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Gresham catches him in this maneuver of pins and then crosses over into a bridge that Chris Saban is unable to get out of. We see the one, two, three, and Jonathan Gresham retains the world championship. After the match, they go to do the uh, code of honor handshake and instead they hug. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great match. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, can't wait till April. Can't yeah, wait till I April for, for I think I think they made it clear during this pay-per-view between what Rekabani was saying and you know this match and the Ring of Honor world title being defended multiple times that Ring of Honor really isn't going anywhere. But you know, this really was the match that got this pay-per-view going, got everybody actually involved in a kind of I think it maintained throughout the rest of the show too, Lee. And with that, we move on to the next match, which I think you and I both agreed was match of the night. And that was Josh Alexander versus Jonah. Yeah. When I did did episode 49 of the podcast, which was the hard to kill preview, uh, and it's going to be hilarious because I even said, I go, well, I really don't know much about Jonah. And then as I was saying it, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, you do. But I just, I had to keep going with it. Cause like I was already on a roll and I was like, I'm not stopping. I'm not editing. Just, just, it's fine. It seems like each match we were texting each other and being like, yo, that's match of the night. That's match of the night. This match. Happened to just replace the next match, and you can't say anything bad about it. Jonah, who we also see in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Josh Alexander, uh, who we had briefly held the Impact Heavyweight Championship, and it was made a big deal because this is a man who was working a full time job and still, you know, still wrestling in Impact and doing independent stuff on the weekends. Uh, they made a big deal about him that wrestling was now becoming his full-time job. And he made it clear that he wants a shot back at being the impact heavyweight champion. This match 
proved that man should be in the in, in the title run. Absolutely. It also proved how just the brute strength that he has. Because I don't know if you saw how he was throwing Jonah around at certain points in the match. Yeah. For being someone who's that small, no offense to him, and Jonah being someone as big as he is, he should not have been able to manhandle him at certain points like he did. No, but what what shocked me the most was in this match was the fact that Joss Alexander pulled off like a Rob Van Dam style jump. Jonah was in the crowd and Joss Alexander from the top rope just nope right over you know from the top rope over the barricade right onto Jonah it was awesome. I think at that point, that's where the crowd really started to pop with the chance. Mm-hmm. Lee and I were texting each other as he's like climbing the top rope and we're like, this isn't going to end well. This isn't going to end well. There's no, no way no. this is going to end well. <laughs> no, because Josh Alexander isn't known for that. No, no, he's not. And to be you able know, to fly that far too. Yeah. So, you know, he pulled out all the stops and, and Jonah pulled out all, all the stops too, but I don't, it it was, it was a great match. It was just, it was awesome to see Jonah here in the States wrestle again. Mm -hmm. It it was great for Josh Alexander. It was, it hopefully turns into a better push for him to move up the ranks. Uh, As far as Jonah though, I'd like to see him be a monster in impact. I, there's no reason not to pull that off. Well, the thing is, too, and I think the reason, uh, you know, Josh Alexander ends up defeating Jonah by submission. Jonah had tweaked his ankle earlier in the match. Josh Alexander ends up winning by submission with the ankle lock. I think the reason that they put him over Jonah is that Jonah made it very clear that, at least for right now, his partnership that he's got going on with impact is – at the very moment, temporary. And that is also because he's doing a lot more and plans on doing a lot more with New Japan. So he's going to be overseas a lot. I think he's going to be one of those guys like you see with um, Minoru Suzuki sometimes that you're going to see them. He's going to go back to Japan for a while, do his thing, and then he'll come over and do like, you know, slight little tours in the States like Minoru does with like, AEW and impact and whatnot. So in this time, Josh Alexander was the right man to put over because obviously the end game for what's going on right now is that they're eventually going to do this comeback story and Josh Alexander is going to get his rematch against Moose at some point. So this was the right decision. All right. I see it. I see that. Uh, So who won Al? Josh Alexander wins by submission with the ankle lock. Moving on, we have the Hardcore War, which I was texting Lee different names for this match the whole entire time. Rob, you can use your imagination. We had the Hardcore War, which was Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath, and Rhino facing the Good Brothers and Violent by Design. You know, I wasn't really sure what to expect from this match and when i i did episode 49 the preview you could tell i really didn't know how this match was gonna go you've got good guys versus bad guys in essentially a hardcore match Mm -hmm. 
these matches can go any sort of way at any point. And that's why I'm just like, all right, this is going to be a good match. And it turned out to be extremely good. Uh, It ended up being pretty much just what I thought. Uh, To see Rich Swan and Heath in a hardcore setting is, is a little different, you know, with violent by design, you expect it. The good brothers, you can expect it. Uh, so the good guys had a couple names that you were just like, how is this going to work? Like, you know, with, you know, rich Swan with Willie Mack, like these guys aren't known for hardcore wrestling. Right. But it turned out to be a great match. The whole pay-per-view was just, at this point, as we kept saying, we kept going, yo, that's match of the night. Yo, that's match of the night. Yo, that's match of the night. It seems like we did it every match. And this was also rolled with it. Yeah, no, it rolled with that whole team. I think it got to a point at this point where I was starting to realize that maybe there didn't have to be a match of the night per se in that the pay-per-view was just overall a solid pay-per-view because typically that's, I think, the sign of a successful pay-per-view is when you're saying this about every match. But uh, for me personally, um, this was really cool. This this match showed the impact gave everybody a little bit of everything in this pay-per-view, whether you liked the hardcore matches, the high-flying matches, the technical matches. And in this sense, we had the hardcore matches. Um, You know, this was kind of a blow-off feud. This has basically been the storyline that's been running almost since Keith joined impact like a year ago um, between him and Rhino getting together and then him leaving Rhino joining violent by design. And then Heath coming back, Rhino turning face again. I think this match was more so supposed to be the end game for Rhino and a violent by design. Um, it almost seemed like they were putting so much emphasis on Rhino that I was like, is this man like retiring soon? Or I wasn't sure, but it might've been that they, this was just his storyline. And in the end, we see the baby faces of Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath and Rhino defeat the good brothers and violent by design. Rhino hit a gore Heath Slater. Oh, my bad. Heath uh, hit the cover, got the one, two, three and the good guys win the match it wasn't too much besides that for me it was a you know these type of matches i don't remember everything i just know that it's a good time for me the hardcore matches i like to watch them they're good they entertain but moving on we have the impact triple threat match for the world championship between moose matt cardona and w morrissey what'd you think of the match lee earlier in the night Cardona and Chelsea had done an interview where they said wedding season just ended, but championship season just begun. And we saw it didn't go right for Chelsea, but I had hopes for Cardona, especially considering the fact I'm a Cardona fan. Look behind me. If it wasn't for Matt Cardona, I wouldn't have a ridiculous amount of Hasbros behind me. I wouldn't have this bar that I am set up at 
if it wasn't because of Matt Cardona and collecting figures. I wouldn't have a poster that goes literally the entire length of my wall that is a crowd that makes my Hasbro rings and these entrances that light up behind me if it wasn't for Matt Cardona. So I was all in Matt Cardona to win. And he's single, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I'm single, by the way. (laughs) Not to... uh... (laughs) Not to... Not to forget to mention, too, that he's got a Zack Ryder gnome. Oh, yeah, I've got one of those. <laughs> I mean... Whoa, 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 you gnome it. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Hockman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah, no, so, I mean, I... I we've interviewed Moose, so, like, we know what he's like, and we've seen the shape that he's gotten in... Uh, thanks to the whole control your narrative thing with him and you know that he did with ec3 uh so i mean you can hear about that on youtube.com slash perch on the shop top rope shameless plug number three tonight gonna keep going you know Um, he's only doing this because i made a comment last week about how he barely had any shameless plugs yeah so now i gotta up it i gotta up it now like (laughs) this week i got three i might try for two more who knows we'll find out but (laughs) This was a good match. It also kind of told me some things. If you remember earlier in 2021, there had been talks of Moose actually leaving Impact. Obviously, they had made him a the old TNA champion or whatever. And then as we as we talked earlier about Josh Alexander, he he defeated Josh Alexander for the championship in like seconds because he cashed in, you know, right right in front of Josh Alexander's like wife and child and everything. It was, it was picture perfect storytelling on impacts part. I loved it. We also heard that W Morrissey was possibly finishing up with impact. And then here we see him in a, a world title mix. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not true. And then we have Cardona, who is basically like, yo, this is my time. It didn't happen for him in WWE. Maybe it can happen for him here. So, I mean, I had high hopes that it would be Cardona. Height-wise, he was the smallest. Muscular-wise, he was the smallest. And he's a big dude. I met him at the big event. Rob saw him, too. Matt Cardona's big. Yeah. He's a freaking monster. And those guys made him look like Smurf. Sorry, John Gresham. (laughs) So, I mean, I the match had all the elements of a triple threat match that make a triple threat match. You had working together. You had backstabbing. you, You had the one person who comes out to try and help the one. You got the referee bump where the referee goes down. The new ref comes in, but the old ref comes back. Impact knew what they were doing for a long time now. And I think it's about time that fans really start to pay attention because Impact is to me is one of those shows where the ratings don't reflect how good the product is. And this match 
helped show that to me that the fans don't know how good the product is that they're watching. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to actually take an opposite stance on this match than you did. If you notice, this was the uh, one match I didn't really text you about much last night. I was not a big fan of this match. In fact, this match was probably my least favorite match on the entire card. Um, because it reminded me of the old TNA main events on all of the old pay-per-views where we saw ref bump after ref bump. Somebody has the win, gets screwed, and then the other person wins. This was my only problem with this entire pay-per-view is that this world title match gave me the old bad vibes of TNA. So you're telling me Jeff Jarrett was booking this thing? It almost seemed like it. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry. I had a shout out to Jeff Jarrett. He's been blowing my cell phone up since we started talking about impact, almost like his ears were ringing. So, Jeff, if you're listening, yes, I got your text messages. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> but, he, you know, he hasn't stopped. Jesus Christ. Well, whether you love this match or you hate it, in the end, Moose retains his championship and is still impact world champion and after this pay-per-view moose decided to send out a little tweet that said well you see that the forbidden door is open i'm gonna just say it here it is and he calls out roman reigns on twitter and says he wants a match with him if we actually see these matches continue of crossover matches I would die to see Moose versus Roman Reigns. Well, hold on. We ain't got crossover matches. We've got Mickey James in the Royal Rumble. We don't got crossover anything just yet. I know. I said if. Pump the brakes. You, yes, you, just, got, you just got Bobby Lashley. Let's, let's dispose of Bobby Lashley first, and then we'll worry about who we're going to dispose of after. Fair enough. All right. This guy's already booking next year's WrestleMania when The Rock doesn't show up again. God. My apologies, Sensei. Yeah. Either wax way. on, wax off. We move on to the main event of the show. Hey, by the way, in breaking news, has Bob Saget ever hosted a Monday Night Raw? Because he just died. I was just about to, like, that's why I was getting in my mic. I was about right to. Here, right here at Walt Disney World, actually, by the way. Died at a Walt Disney World resort. The four seasons. Bob Saget was announced uh, that he has passed away. Well, he didn't announce, but TM, TMZ broke the news, it looks like. I would sure hope he's not announcing his own death. Yeah. It's very sad news. Uh, the man everybody knew. Yeah, the man everybody knew is Danny Tanner growing up. Coke kills, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do drugs. But as we were saying about this pay-per-view, actually, before we get to the main event, too, there's something worthwhile that we didn't mention earlier. Uh, the Hardcore War match that happened earlier on in the night that had Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Keith, and Rhino defeating the Good Brothers and VBD. After the match, and I know, Lee, you wanted to touch on this for a quick minute. After the match, we saw basically everybody that was involved in that match get jumped by Ring of Honors, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, Vincent, and PCO, all being led to the ring by Maria Canellis. It looks like we might get some sort of ROH impact invasion angle. Lee, what do you think about that? You know, I when I 
saw everything happen. It was intriguing because we had talked about Ring of Honor in past episodes and specifically what was to happen. And we knew that John Gresham was defending the ROH championship at at Terminus, Mm -hmm. but the match he had earlier in the night like I said, with it being the pure rules, like completely shocked me. This was out of nowhere. And especially for those who came out, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, he was with his wife. And to me, the biggest shocker, PCO. (laughs) I knew you'd like that one. Well, because PCO finished with Ring of Honor before final battle he was done with ring of honor he announced like back in early november so to see him come out for me was really awesome because as we've interviewed pco a few times and we've even talked to uh um the mountie Mm -hmm. about him you know all that's on youtube.com slash perched on the top rope so uh, it, it's been interesting. And, and when I saw him, that's when I really marked out. Like I, I was, I was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, you've got Matt Taven and, and Bennett and, and uh, Bennett's wife. And I was like, yo, this is, this is pretty cool. Like, are we seeing like an invasion angle? Are we going to get an invasion angle? that we should have gotten out of WWE circa 2001 with WCW and ECW. I'm hoping my answer is yes. I'm hoping that this is an actual invasion angle that like happens. Mm -hmm. We are aware that the forbidden door is open with impact. They have made that clear, especially when they tweeted later in the night that they had worked with triple a, They have worked with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They have worked with MLW, AEW, now WWE, and Ring of Honor. Their door is wide open. They're cool with it. So to see this, I'm excited for what's to come. Because I won't lie, I was disappointed with the AEW Impact thing. I'm hoping this picks it up. I'm with you on that. I 100% agree. It was it was a really, really cool segment. While the match may not have been exactly what some people would have wanted, I think what happened after the match was more important. But speaking of the Forbidden Door being open, we have the main event of the show, the Knockouts Women's Champion, Mickey James, who will be wrestling in the Royal Rumble match facing Deanna Perrazzo in a Texas death match for the Impact Knockouts Championship with the stipulation that if Matthew Raywalt, formerly known as Aiden English, interfered during the match, Perrazzo would be disqualified and Raywalt would be fired. This was the hardcore match that I wanted. This was a match you don't see too often from women. Um... There were a couple of spots that 
even I was like, ouch. Like I've never had thumbtacks in my hands. Mm. So I can't imagine that feeling too good. And there was definitely a couple of spots, especially one where I really noticed um, Deanna Perrazzo slipped on the tacks and she went hand first. And you could tell like, she's like picking them out of her hands and Mickey like went to go do something and then like realized, Oh no, I can't do this yet. Um, when Mickey first went down on the tax, uh, like I, uh, I, I can't imagine how it feels. I would probably say she did. She, she took the, the tax spot better than Randy Orton did. <laughs> you remember Randy Orton versus Mick Foley when, when Randy took it? Oh yeah. Cause then after he did an interview and said, uh, yeah, that'll never happen again. Hasn't happened since. No. So, um, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it was great. The match itself, the rules were a little weird to me. You can pin somebody, but it's not until after the pin, it becomes like a last man standing match. Mm -hmm. So you have to pin the person, then get a 10 count. And we saw a lot of pinfalls, like, especially super early on. Where like Mickey pinned Deanna, I want to say in like the first two minutes of the match. And they were like, oh, she's just making a point that she could do that. The pinfall took away from the match in my eyes. If you're going to do that, it should have just been like, you could have just called it a, a Texas death match without the pinfall. I don't think the pinfalls really needed. It could have just had to be like a hardcore last man standing match. Yeah. You know, I just. The pinfall made it weird. I think it, it took really some did. air out of the crowd at big, during big spots, like uh, at the end of the match. Like, and don't get me wrong, like the overall match quality, I would still give like an AA plus. But what you're saying too, uh, I feel like towards the end of the match, when Mickey hit the Mick DT and pinned Diana, that should have been a spot where if she was to pin her, that that would be when the crowd goes crazy. But it was weird because that was the end of the match aside from the, you know, the 10 count that came after, but she pins her and you hear nothing because everyone knows that the pinfall is not the end of the match. And I feel like it just took away from the ovation that she could have gotten. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to say the least. Like I said, I, like you said, I think they could have just stayed with a last man standing match and kept hardcore rules, but neither here nor there. But the important news out of this match is that Mickey James does retain at the end of the match. She holds on to her knockouts women's championship and she is heading into the WWE Royal Rumble match with an impact title. And see, I didn't know what was going to happen. If I said, if I said, if Mickey loses, it's because impact doesn't have faith in what WWE is going to do with her at the Royal Rumble. Now this can go back to what Rob said, that maybe they already, you know, she's using this as an advantage for a better spot in the Rumble. Now we know that she is still the Impact uh, knockout champion. So in the Royal Rumble, they'll address her as the Impact knockout champion like they did on, on SmackDown, which is awesome. Cool for Impact. 
I liked Rob's theory that, you know, they have plans for her to go in the, the Hall of Fame and everything. And Mickey had also tweeted first the Royal Rumble, then WrestleMania. But doesn't say main event WrestleMania for a match. No, it just it, says she, she might get inter- introduced in the Hall of Fame. It just All she did was just tweet WrestleMania. So it could be a Hall of Fame thing. And that, and that's she, what I'm. And she is going to be at WrestleCon, which is WrestleMania what, weekend. That's what I'm leaning towards. It's it's a Hall of Fame induction for her. Kind of like what Impact used to do to some uh, talents that were returning to WWE from Impact. So before they went, they put them in the Impact Hall of Fame. Well, she's the Impact Champion, so WWE Hall of Fame. Well, and this like remind, this reminds me too of the you and I were talking about this too. The situation back in 2012 when Christian, who was at the time the Intercontinental Champion, appeared on the Slammiversary pay-per-view in return for Ric Flair, who was under contract to TNA at the time, being allowed to show up at WrestleMania 28 to be inducted with the four horsemen into the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Here's, here's something else just to thrown into my head here. We don't have one. We don't have two, but we have three, as of right now, WWE women's champions. What if Mickey isn't going to fight the Raw champion and she ain't going to fight the SmackDown champion? But what if we're going to merge the NXT Women's Championship and the Impact Women's Championship. And at WrestleMania, it's Mandy Rose versus Mickey James. You're really all about that NXT Impact merger, aren't you? I, I'm, I'm just thinking, I mean, it just popped into my head that you don't have to challenge the SmackDown or Raw champion. Because they may have their own directions that they want to go. But we could throw Mandy Rose in the mix. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to see that one. But who knows? Who knows? It's, it's possible. It's not out of the picture. But uh, In four we, weeks, you'll be, you'll be telling me I am a god. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I will. All right. So now we know that Mickey James wins. She's heading into the WWE Royal Rumble as the Knockouts champion. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with her. They've announced, I believe, 19 names for the Women's Royal Rumble. She's one of them, so we can still have some surprises. They've announced a few for the men. Uh, What is it? Street Profits, Dominic Mysterio, Seamus <laughs> and, and and the surprising one is Johnny Knoxville. He tweeted or like went Instagram live that he wanted to be part of it. Of course, the Royal Rumble's January 29th. Jackass Forever comes out ironically February 6th. The same day is Celeb Fest 3, which we have Scarlet Bordeaux and Karrion Cross, aka now Killer Cross. 
at that event, go to eventbrite.com. All you got to do is literally search their names. It's the first one that comes up. Click on that for a very short time. I believe it's still going on. If you type in killer cross at the checkout for your VIP combo, you can get a, uh, a little discount on perched on the top rope there. Fans. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found from Stitcher, Apple, Google, Amazon, Podbean, Red Circle, Perched on the Top Rope. Especially hit that Apple podcast. Ireland, we love you. Thank you for putting us at 33 in the chartable top 250 in your country. We see you, we love you, and go check out O'Shea's Pub in Dublin. I loved that place when I was there. You can also find us on YouTube. Check out all our videos with great interviews. You can see me even get slapped in the chest so hard by Greg the Hammer Valentine. He leaves a black and blueprint of his hand on me for over a week. YouTube.com slash perched on the top rope. You can watch Kevin Sullivan get humped by a dog. On our TikTok, perched on the top rope. Yeah, that's a selling point, believe it or not, Rob. (laughs) You can go to our Facebook, where we do a lot of our interacting with you, the fans. Same with Instagram, the facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. You can go to Instagram. It is perched on the top rope podcast. Don't forget, we love to tweet. We are on Twitter It is perched top rope because perched on the top rope was too long. That's what she said. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, we have not one, not two, not three, but we have four shirts on prowrestlingtees.com slash perched on the top rope. If you buy one of those shirts and you are one of the first 10 to tweet at us a picture of you wearing the shirt. We will send you an autographed eight by 10 of a mystery WWE legend. We have plenty of autographs to give out. Also, if you buy one of those shirts and you go to an event that we are at, whether it be Baltimore celeb fest, whether it be the big event, whether it be, Showcase of Legend 7, whether it is WrestleCon or WrestleCade. We will Icons be everywhere. of wrestling in Philadelphia. We will be everywhere this year. And if you are wearing a Perched on the Top Rope t-shirt, we're going to knock some, uh, some dinero. $25 off the VIP. 20, just Let's go crazy. $25 off the VIP. So you show up in a Perched on the Top Rope t-shirt. Get a VIP combo because we're going to knock 25 bucks off it for you. Rob, I think you know how the saying goes. You know it. I know it. The world knows it. Spoiler free is the way to be.